0: And that is as real as it can. Hello. I like that. Me too. I am Cindy.
1: And I'm Lauren.
0: And I didn't really like it, but
1: that's okay. Welcome to Pursuing Real. And it's as real as it gets. Because <laughs>
0: that's as real as it gets.
1: I, I refuse to cut that out. Oh! That is staying in. Okay, cool. Anyway, that's thank fun. you for listening to us again and being here again. Or it for is, the first time, yo.
0: Yeah. It is week... Three. Episode four. Yes. Yep.
1: Um, And we chatted quite a bit and felt like the natural progression, what would be our next episode, would we'll be talking about our friendship.
0: Yep. And here we are.
1: We've gotten a lot of questions on how we're so close and why we're so close. And I think it's important to note that we haven't always been this way. It's taken some growth to get here.
0: Oh my goodness. Yes. I think that, I think you said it best earlier. You said there's the the highs are so much sweeter because the lows were really low. Yeah. And I love that because that is exactly us. There is no picture perfect mother-daughter friendship without experiencing authentic lows, yeah. which lead to these beautiful moments that we're able to sit in this closet and keep recording week after week, sometimes multiple times a week. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, and our goal is to share our story with you. And that's kind of what this podcast is, is sharing our story. But then, you know, maybe sharing something that you can take away from it, whether it be. Something we did that you know you don't want to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, there's all of those. There is a lot of those. Or if there's some positives that you hear and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to implement that. Awesome. Yep. You know, that's just, that's exciting. Yeah. So there's um, going to
0: be plenty of what not to do's. Right. Uh, yeah.
1: I think we do some things really well, though. And I was
0: just going to say, and I think that we can sit and say safely, there's a lot of things that we really have thrived in. Yeah. And I like that. I really like you. I like you. I mean, I like this friendship. Like I genuinely I love you. You're my daughter, but I really like you. Yes. I like the human that you are.
1: I I enjoy the difference between like and love because I also love you. Um, you're my mom and I love you, but I choose to like you. And I choose to be friends with you beyond just the basis of our being connected through blood. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so whether you are someone who's closer to my position you're a child who's maybe wanting to foster something with their parent whatever age or stage you're at or maybe you're a parent who's wanting to grow a deeper more meaningful relationship with their child or mom mentioned earlier maybe you're someone who doesn't have any kids um and you're thinking about what the future might hold in that um or maybe you just like us and you want to hear our voices again that's cool (laughs) i didn't even
0: i wouldn't have come up with that last one but i'm glad there's the younger generation who does
1: anyway whoever you are maybe there's something here for you maybe there's not but we're gonna jump in too. we're gonna just jump in yeah so well i think it'd be cool if we started from the younger years okay and then just kind of naturally progress into where we're at now so was there a moment a memory a time in my younger years when you were like Oh, I think we're going to be friends or like a meaningful memory that you
0: have. Absolutely. So the twins being three years older than you, uh, there was oftentimes that you and I would be the ones to go drop them off at school together. Okay. And after school drop off, we had some time to kill sometimes in between uh, drop off and pick up and we would go get a coffee and you thought you were getting a latte, but it was always just like a steamer with a pump of vanilla syrup or something. And I remember specifically, I can picture you in overalls with a cute kind of ponytail off the top of your head and you were little. And I gave you your steamer and I looked in the rearview mirror and you said, oh, this latte is so good. And just the way you said it, and I kind of adjusted my mirror to look at you and I was like, oh my gosh, we are going to be so close. We are going to be the best of friends one day. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it right then and there. And that didn't take away the fact that I was going to be your mom first. And there was always going to be the maternal side of me. But I knew at some point, 20 years down the road, we were going to be doing that same thing. Minus the buckled car seat and whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I always remember... Looking up to you a lot, like that's mm. that's been a consistent through my childhood. Even when things were rocky, or when we went through some lows, I still remember consistently looking up to you. So I think that's fun. I think that little foundation of getting coffee together, and mm. I mean, how little of a thing, but to try and make me feel included and like not an equal, but get to like participate. That's oh yeah, fun. that's meaningful. I
0: I Lauren, I talked to you like this. When you were little, yeah, we would be like you would be in the kitchen with me, having your own conversation with me about whatever situation it was. And I was like, really? So why do you think that you did that? Or, oh, okay. So what would you do different? And we've been talking while you started talking. You were nine months old. That made no sense. You're in the front of the cart, and we're going down the aisles of the grocery store, and you're talking to me, and people are pausing, like, how old is that child? And I wanted to be like not old enough to be talking like this, but there she is, nine, ten months. You were saying things that weren't just like, that. it was you were wildly excelled in your in your vocabulary very early on and have not stopped talking since. So yeah, there, there. Yeah, well, yeah. it's facts, Jax. So anyway, we've always just had this. Honestly, we've always had dialogue. We've always had rapport. Uh,
1: I like that. I feel like you didn't really do like the baby talk thing. I've always kind of felt like you were interested in what I actually had to say and my thoughts, even from a really young age, like they had value. Well,
0: thank you for saying that. It was on accident. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. It was going to be some thing that we would be talking about in 20 years, but I do know that I just always had conversations with you. I didn't like there was no fits and there wasn't things like that because I would be like, oh, wow, you are really expressing yourself with emotion that I cannot stand. So go ahead and go sit over there. And then when you're ready to talk to me in a good way, then let's talk about it. Yeah, I just couldn't handle it. So hmm. perhaps that was self-preservation. And I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it was all selfishly motivated. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe I needed a friend. I
1: think <laughs> I think you're a good mom. I think it goes deeper than that. Thank you. Um, Thanks. Well, I remember some of the lows being pretty early, right? Like we talked about in your introduction episode that you had yeah. some rough patches. And I kind of want to get into those because I think honestly, from when you got clean on, I really think of this as an upward trajectory.
0: Okay. That's super and so fair. so I think
1: it's kind of important to dive into what it looks like to parent as a drug addict.
0: Ooh.
1: And what it looks like to be a child of someone struggling with addiction um, because those are some major pain points for us.
0: Heck yeah, they are. And
1: they're ugly and they're not fun to talk about. But truly from when you were clean on, I just remember our friendship getting deeper and better and stronger. So I guess let's start from your point of view as Mm, a mom.
0: Thanks. So as a mom, Kind of, I kind of touched on this in my interview episode, and I talked about, I dropped it and then kind of didn't come back to it. And I, I mentioned love notes. Mm-hmm. So as a, at the time, I wouldn't have considered myself a drug addict because I was just experimenting. So I don't think I fully recognized what I was doing. If this makes sense, early on in my addiction, uh, recently single, um, I would write love notes, and I would sew life into you. Mm-hmm. And as an addict, I felt like that was my way to communicate with you when I was probably not doing the best job of doing that verbally. Okay. So a goal of our family was always to write love notes, right?
1: Yeah. No, I've, one of my love languages has always been words of affirmation. Um, and I do, I mean, I kept all of the notes. I mean, I I have a box of them.
0: And, and I love that because we have very similar leveling coaches, but also I could probably tell you if I looked through your box of notes, all of, without you, without dates on them, knowing which ones I wrote Yeah. when I was in the throes of addiction. Yeah. So on that side as a mom, the one thing that I tried to stay connected with was writing you notes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that if I had all your clothes laid out, and if your breakfast was lined up on the counter, and I baked you cookies, and I, I did those things, um, that that maybe you would miss out on the fact that I was becoming more angry, and uh, I was losing my temper more often, and obviously, uh, methamphetamines does that, right? Mm-hmm. That is that is some of the side effects of that. Um, My hours were opposite oftentimes of yours, um, where I would stay awake most of the night because I would try to avoid getting high during the day so that I was functional. It was a crazy season, but my side of things in my mind, I was like, quote, doing the best I can. Yeah. You can't do the best you can and be an addict. Yeah. You can't. But didn't... obviously I didn't, I don't, sorry. I I wasn't, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I don't, I don't think that I fully knew the ramifications of my actions at the moment that I was doing them. I was so absorbed in grief of a different kind mm-hmm. during that time. Yeah. And I will not touch on that, but I'm just saying there was just, I was, I was masking and I was hiding from things and I thought I was giving you guys the very best as a mom turns out go ahead
1: yeah I remember that season as our friendship being very rocky um I didn't talk about it at all in my interview episode and I think it was just something that I was like I don't even really want to get into that um not because it's something I don't I'm not comfortable sharing I am it's just it's hard to talk about Um, Mm and I remember seeing you really struggle with like mood swings and being really up and really down Um, And as a kid, it's hard to understand what role you're playing in that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I've always had a really good sense of right and wrong. And I remember like confronting you about it. Like being like, (sighs) this is not okay. I don't, I don't think I did anything wrong and you're upset. And I don't think I played a part in this. And, and us just not having good, clear communication on this. No. Granted at this point, you know, I'm, I'm under 10. So I'm sure it's probably not fun to have confrontation with your nine or 10 year old. No, um, of course not. And so I remember I started staying at Grammy and Papa's a lot. Um, and we yeah. talked about this in our first intro episode where you said a lot of your childhood was spent with your grandparents who were my great grandparents. They lived five minutes from our house Yep. Um, and grandma lived with them. And I have a great relationship with my grandma. So I remember just being like, well, If you're not going to listen to me and we're not going to get along, I'm going to go stay somewhere else until we start to click.
0: And can I say that at that moment, as you're there, Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking this as a mom, she's just enjoying hanging out with her great grandparents and her, and her grandma. And I want her to foster that relationship. So this is my excuse to myself. Mm -hmm. So that's what Lauren was doing.
1: Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to escape this until it gets better um and it's hard because i i didn't necessarily know that you were a meth addict i had no idea i just knew something wasn't right Mm -hmm. i didn't know what the level of what was going on i knew that we were around people that i didn't like and that there were things that i was like oh this isn't something's not right here i always felt like i had an intuition for when things weren't good you did um and i could never put put words to it because who knows what was going on right right but I knew when there were places I didn't like being or people I didn't like being around, I was like, mm, something's not good, yep. you know? So I remember that being a really big low. I lost a lot of like respect for you in that time. Cause I couldn't understand why you weren't just stepping up and doing what was right. Even mm. though I didn't know what that was supposed to look like. You yeah.
0: Know? Which is gutting to hear.
1: Yeah.
0: I know this story, right? You're talking about me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It is just gutting to think that. I would even ever put you in a circumstance like that. Like, that's how selfish my addiction for me was. Mm. That's obviously my story there, but I'm sorry. No, I just am, it, like, grieves my heart that it was that low.
1: I have completely forgiven you, and you know this because we've talked about this, but I think it's important to say here for anybody listening <laughs> is that We have talked through this for years following you started what we call open forum and we've touched on this in the podcast, but essentially after you got clean, you started opening up this platform where all of your kids could share where they were at, where our hearts were at, where our thoughts were, and you would listen. And I think one thing that I love about you and that I learned a lot about you in that season was that you had no problem offering your apology. I think there are so many parents that are mm-hmm. afraid to look at their kids and say, I messed up. I'm so sorry. And um, and that is not you. Since getting clean and moving forward, you have always been quick to apologize, recognize where you're wrong, admit your faults. Um, and
0: and I really appreciate you. those words. Um, I do. And I try to, I have absolutely tried to. And also I love that no matter how much time passes and I do know, I have your authentic forgiveness just to hear a recounting of a really crappy situation. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, first of all, a am grateful. I'm on this side of it. Yeah. I'm grateful. We are that we made it right. And I just also hope that it can offer hope yeah. to people that, you can be in a really crappy situation and you can change it too Amen. but i'm i'm just i know i know i'm just sorry i wish i could yeah. i wish i could go back and not have that selfish season but unfortunately it has and for fortunate sides too it's become part of who i am so
1: when i wanted to share it not necessarily because everyone needs to hear the details but because it is truly A miracle and so amazing where we are now.
0: Amen, a hundred percent. Yes,
1: spot. And I just think that's so important to share because I was thinking about sharing this with you guys, and I was thinking about someone who might be listening, and you might be sitting in a space where you think there is no coming back from this with my kids, or my relationship with my mom and my dad. There's no coming back from where we are currently. And maybe that's a boundary that you've set and maybe that's for the best, but maybe there's hope and maybe Mm -hmm. there's a future for that friendship. And I just want to be the one to give that to you. This may not be the end and there may be a beautiful future and friendship in store. So don't give up.
0: Well, yeah, definitely don't give up. It took you being gracious enough to be open enough. To learn how to respect me and trust me again as well Mm -hmm. and there could be kids your age or parents that are like there's no shot but it's amazing what graciousness and where when you take the shame away and you add in forgiveness and hope and reconciliation and transparency it breeds this culture of like new life into relationship and I think that it took both of us. It took your it took your brothers. It took me, like you said, saying I'm sorry, but also really like deciding it was more
1: than words. Right. We
0: needed to make pivots. Huge. Options. I mean, obviously, I needed to change our whole life, and so obviously that was a big deal. But so was your grace on your side to be like, I'm willing to work through this with you, through major open forum dialogue. And by open forum, it really meant like we sat on the sofa Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: you guys could go around the horn and say, this is what happened this weekend. And it could be you looking at Johnny and saying, I did not like it when you did this. And he would be like, okay, like, listen. And then you'd look at me and say, I heard that this happened, or I didn't like that you said this, or I don't like the way you responded to that. And I would have to just listen and acknowledge and affirm
1: and it all had to be done respectfully 100 you know, i'm sure their parents are yes. sitting here who were like i'm not gonna let my kids sit down and just like freak out on me right like it had to be communicated respectfully
0: oh that was priority tone was priority
1: exactly and when someone shared something about me i had to sit there and, and listen like this is a two-way street too yeah. I, my brothers got to share with me hey, Lauren, I feel like you're becoming a mom and I want you to stop because I have one and I'm happy with who I have one and I don't need to. And I would have to sit there and listen and digest and process. So I think that was huge for our friendship and moving forward. Um, you changed a lot of our life, started listening and prioritized being a really good mom. Um, I kind of want to talk about the high school years a little bit because Do it. I feel like parenting in high school are probably is up there on hardest jobs ever. Mm-hmm. Um and I I think I was obviously I was pretty well behaved. Oh yeah. But that doesn't mean that I was a walk in the park, right?
0: No, you weren't a walk in the park. Yeah. Because you're because you weren't shy about saying that you wanted to be an attorney. And with that came this like spirited debate where there could be an opinion mm-hmm. but yours in your brain was either right and or the devil's advocate.
1: Right, or needed to be shared.
0: Right. Yeah. So so, so we, we went toe to toe a lot. And they were always spirited discussions. I would sometimes like wave a white flag, like I surrender, which wasn't always the right move, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it developed an understanding of whom I was raising and where you were heading. Yeah. So I never questioned that you were going to be good at whatever you did in life. I've always said that. But high school truly showed me you number one didn't push a boundary because you liked setting your own.
1: Yes, I d- I was not a I was not a curfew pusher. I was not a rule breaker. It was that was that wasn't me. I think I pushed boundaries in different ways in terms of how far could I talk back? Mm-hmm. Or how much attitude could I give before you reciprocated that kind of boundary?
0: Right. The once it turned a line of disrespect uh, and diminishing of my role, it there was a kibosh placed mm-hmm. on that. And I also knew, and I give a lot of like tribute to the intentional parents curriculum for this, honestly, was the box. I also knew when I could look at you and I could tell when you were becoming defiant or pushing or mm-hmm. disrespectful, I knew it's time for me to tighten, like, this is time for me to tighten her up. Can Meaning, you
1: explain that a little bit? What, what do you mean So
0: your foundation of the box is always Jesus in our family. That's mm-hmm. just how it was. And then there was like, there was fun on one side. And I just remember like affirmation and affection like we're all kind of part of this mm-hmm. but also you needed like you needed boundaries you needed order to know discipline. order discipline um yes thank you and so i would like learn that okay she needed a bedroom that was in order i learned that you became more sassy and disrespectful when your room was in utter chaos and what i learned was it's when you walked in your room and you could not find something the disorder caused you to unravel. Yeah. So it was that order,
1: yeah, as a parent identifying what I needed from you in that season to set good boundaries for me because I remember talking to you about this. I still have this today and I struggle with this setting good boundaries with my time, right? Like I was yeah. constantly filling it. If it wasn't working way more hours than I needed to in high school, on top of playing multiple sports, on top of being involved in leadership and clubs and all this stuff. Sometimes you just set really hard boundaries that I hated listening to that the answer is no on going out again or hanging out with these people or doing this because you have way too much on your plate. Right. And I wasn't good at setting those boundaries for myself.
0: Correct. Yes. And I would notice too, when there would be like a, a friend or a group of friends that were new or that you were starting to create relationships with. And I could tell that you would come home and be off or defensive or quieter. I could just tell when there was a personality shift where I knew you actually needed me. You didn't want me, Mm -hmm. but you needed me to come in and say, I'm going to go ahead and say that this time with these people is going to be limited. And you didn't like that. Right. But it was that order and discipline needed to be tightened up on the top and then we could or on the sides and then we could have that fun and affirmation. Yeah. And
1: One thing I did love as I started to recognize you as a safety or an out when I was feeling overwhelmed.
0: Oh, I remember we this. We
1: set this conversation where sometimes I just was terrible at saying no and I needed someone else to be my reason for no. And they'd be like, just call your mom and ask her to do something or Oh, sorry. I got to check into my parents. And I could text you ahead of time and be like, Hey, I need you to say no. Like, so that, you know, I can say no. Like, sorry. My mom said no. And you were like, I'm happy to be, you're out whenever and wherever you are welcome to call me and I will say no for you. And I remember using that only a handful of times, but just being like, Oh, sorry, guys. My mom said, no, you know, my parents are strict. Sorry. And you had no problem being that person for me. And I think that's really a valuable tool as you know, if you're parenting high schoolers, if you are a house high schooler, your parents probably don't mind being the bad guys if it means that you're doing what you need and what's best for you. So right. maybe set that or have that conversation.
0: For sure. And that was your mental health that I didn't even know I was tending to mm-hmm. at the time I was doing that. But dad and I would have specific conversations about, like, I can see her tapped out. She is, she's, is, she's tapped. Yes. And also, when you were tapped, it, just kind of eked out into other behavioral things which weren't bad. Don't get me wrong. You weren't like a bad kid. But I knew when you were starting to get aggressive with your brothers or your tone, um, that would be a thing. And we didn't allow you, and this like sounds maybe extra, but we didn't ever allow you to be like, well, it's just that time of the month and I get to get away with it. Oh yeah, That was not an option. So there was character and integrity in what you got to do and say. And you didn't get an out just because your hormones were out of whack. And I'm not saying that you didn't like sob for no reason. And obviously we comments. all tended to your we heart in that. Comments. But it was like you don't just get to be disrespectful and blame it on
1: Right. And you something. set up this really cool guideline, I think, that we all were gonna mess up, right? The boys are gonna mess up. You and Dad were gonna mess up. But we all after we cooled down and had our time had to come back and really seek forgiveness and bend those fences since I would say probably 17 or 18 Mm -hmm. we really halted on the whole letting things stew oh like we we really stopped like I think since then our friendship has always been I'm going to seek forgiveness and I don't really want to sit on this and it's kind of bothering me can we have a safe moment here really quick to talk about this
0: facts also you did not we just never let anything fester there. Mm -hmm. So like there was always that moment of, and sometimes it wasn't forgiveness either. Sometimes it was, I need to say this and I'm not sorry. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We had a lot of things sometimes that needed to be said and, you know, analysis paralysis, mom over here, sometimes let things get way bigger in her head than they needed to be. And I would go say what I needed to say only to find out you're like, Whoa, wait, what and right. it turned out not to be a thing too so it wasn't always just a forgiveness aspect too it was yeah. there was this moment where we just were not going to let the sun go down let the next day open up with that on our minds okay friends here's what we're doing We're breaking this episode into two parts. There's a lot to unpack in both segments of it. So we're pausing there and invite you to come back next week for part two, where Lauren and I really dive in and talk about our current day friendship and what it looks like. I'm really excited about it. So I hope you'll join us. We really appreciate you squad. Thanks.